There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt-Bernard. Alex Brandt-Bernard-Rasmussen. And Mike Bellina. What was that? I bit my lip, so I have a lip. Oh, that's right, you bit your lip. (laughs) Ow. That's really nice. It was one of those when you bite your lip and you hear it like crunch. Oh, Oh, that that hurts so much. It doesn't feel great. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well, Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant.
love this song. In the Mood by Glenn Miller, one of Toots' favorite songs of all time. It's one of the only songs that our band in high school could actually squeak out that <laughs> could recognize. It's his birthday today. Really? This and Baby oh, really? Walk. It's Glenn Miller's birthday today? <laughs> nope, he would have been 112. 112 years old. I love Glenn They never Miller. did find his body, did they? Nope, somewhere in the English Channel. What? Somewhere in the English Channel, yes. Plane crashed in the English Channel, and they never found the plane or his body. I didn't what? know that. I knew his plane crashed, but I didn't 40. know that they f- didn't find. Yeah. That's sad. Yep, he was only 40 years old. Something. <clears throat> very, very sad. Maybe he's living tax-free in South America. At 112, probably. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. Although he could still be alive. Uh, I think that would make him the oldest man ever. <laughs> 112. If anybody's going to do it. Women of Luke. Glenn Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Miller. Uh, the oldest woman, I believe, was 116. 122. 122? 122. Hey, oh. Nope. Was she, she five inches tall by then? I mean. I assume so, yes. Jean Clement. Oh, Jean Clement, from, yeah, from France, right? I just don't It's understand. always European. No, she was, from, uh, she was from China. Jean Clement? No, she was French. Oh, <laughs> Why do I Snap. put up with this? Wow, she looked not great. But 122, you can't expect much. It's kind of negative. Well, that's not very nice. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know if I'd want to live to be 122 I is what I'm saying. I have no interest in it. If it's, yeah, if it's like, you know, you can barely even walk anymore. All the maladies that you're going to have. Yeah. What doesn't hurt. It's no. a lot different if you're still, I mean, like here at 117... <laughs> It looks like she has a walker here, so, you know. She can still walk at that time. Yeah. Jean Calment. Calment. Uh, there's a Jean Calment diet. Did you know that? Really? Let's it's, hear it. Uh, present- I think she said she ate a pound of chocolate a week. I think oh, that's right. I love her. This she is ate a, a lot of chocolate. I know that much. By my own heart. That I can relate to. <laughs> and I, I, I misspoke because uh, Glenn Miller turns or would have turned 114 today, not 112. 114. 114, okay. Get your facts straight. Uh, I know. Yeah, then he could be alive, the oldest man, 116, so. See? Right there, he would not have been the oldest man ever. He could still be alive. How many Valentine's boxes is that? (laughs) In fact, there was a man from the United States who died in 1998. He was 115. See? It's Gian Mortensen. What is it with all these. uh, Frenchies? West. your Western European people. What is Raka chocolate? R A A K A. What is that? R A R A A K A. Raka chocolate. Oh, uh, I don't have no idea. Brand. She looked fine. What are you talking about? I'm looking at Jean I'm right sorry. now. I think she looks. She has all her hair. Yep. She yeah, does not really. have her teeth. She looks but Doesn't at 120, teeth, whatever. 122. Yeah, the teeth. Uh, After 110, I'm surprised she's got. <laughs> not designed to last that long, I don't think. <laughs> There's a rock of chocolate newsletter that just popped up on my screen. Uh, I think we had about. I want chocolate. Is in Brooklyn. I want chocolate. It's in Brooklyn. Smoked chai. That sounds. Horrible. Delicious. Sure Are you that's, kidding me? That's all new fancy stuff. Chai uh, chocolate? chocolate, though. Yum. Oh. Yeah. What do you? Andy, you were off by this on this, by the way. What? How much chocolate do you consume in a week? A single bar, two, perhaps just a little nibbles here and there. What about two whole pounds? Two pounds a week. By her own <laughs> estimations, Madame Jean Louise Calmin, the oldest person who ever lived, enjoyed an incredible 2.2 pounds a kilo of chocolate a week. So did she survive on chocolate uh, then? Well, that would that'd be, what, about 35, a, 36 ounces of chocolate a week? That's a lot. Of, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's just assume it was just like straight up milk chocolate. Let's see here. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to change my lifestyle to be just like Jean 
Louise Calment. Along with chocolate, Madame Calment enjoyed copious amounts of olive oil, port wine. A bit of port wine. Port wine, it says. I don't see the bit. <laughs> Yeah. Fencing and riding her bike. She was fencing at 122. <laughs> well, I don't know about 122. <laughs> a kilo of chocolate would be 5,300 calories. So that's doable in a week. Well, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a little, yeah. little about 800, I could 800 calories do that. a day. Yeah, really. I might. Yeah, actually, be good. <laughs> I think she looked really good. Had a big, great smile on her face at 122 years old. So. But you got to live in a small town on the coast of the Mediterranean in France. Uh, that could help. Rocca chocolate is called, it's virgin chocolate. What does that mean? Like no cacao? sugar added or anything? Like those nibs or something? Yeah. Cacao nibs, which don't taste very good. They don't, oh, they don't. I don't like them. But Let's see too, here. Some people too probably bitter. think they're great. Yeah, how we bitter. make. How, how it's unroasted. Unroasted. Chocolate's roasted? Well, I suppose it Most would be. Most yeah. chocolate is, yeah, they roast the beans and then, you know, make chocolate out Maybe of it. this is the secret to youth, the fountain of youth. We've just found it. There you go. Non, non-roasted chocolate? Yes. By the way, the world's oldest person alive today is Violet Brown. She's 117 years old. Holy God. Where no, does no, she live? She lives in Jamaica. See? Islands. See... Islands. France is well, not Well, I mean, island. she's on the Mediterranean <laughs> Sea. What? She's, she was in on the Mediterranean. And you're making it up as you That's go along. That's what the story said. You're making it up. See, now Being because I brought that sea. story up, I have Jean Calment staring at me the rest of the day. <laughs> there she is looking at me going, Tom, you suck. She is not. <laughs> she's not? Hopefully she was nice. I can't imagine be, she was a jerk for 122 years. <laughs> she made her family cry daily. <laughs> she was mean to people Everybody, every day for 122 she, she years. She rode her bike into the village. They all ran. I love that so much. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> here she comes. <laughs> oh, God, it's here again. When is, is she ever going to die? She picked on me again today. <laughs> That would be fantastic. Everybody hated her. Oh, that would be a great TV bit. They should do that on Saturday Night Live. That would be funny. What if Jean-Louis Calment was a total jerk? Jerk. Jerk? Uh, she was a jerk. a jerk. She was a jerk, I tell you. I tell you, she was a complete jerk. Yeah. Uh, you know, ever since we talked to Katie Darrell, about Access TV, which is owned by Mark Cuban. His face keeps popping up on my screen now. Mark Cuban is the face of the Mavericks, and now he is the face of their shame. Oh, well. I think somehow he'll survive this. What are you going to do? The oldest living person, Nabi Tajima, has currently 160 descendants. I thought they said the oldest living person was 117. She is. Violet Brown is her name. Um... No. Oh, she just died in September. Who did? Violet Brown. Oh, poor Violet's dead. No more Violet. But yeah, 160, so that would be like children. She has children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, and great-great-great-grandchildren. Imagine trying to, like, remember all of those. Imagine her birthday card. Yeah, there's just no way. Just how much she has to spend on birthday cards. I feel like once you You hit 100, you just shouldn't have to write cards to anybody for anything anymore i would agree with that completely that would that would 
make complete yeah. sense to me. You just don't you don't have to do anything at and, any time. Yeah, and everything yeah. should be free. You get a pass. I like yeah, how for everything. All of these people who live to be a billion years old, that everyone always asks them, you know, what's your secret obviously? And basically every time they just say they eat whatever the hell they want. They do. All these old people, they they do whatever they want and they eat whatever they want. <laughs> what is that all about? People. Like the, that uh, the uh, well, United States guy, um, he said that one of his his advice was uh, cigars. So he smokes cigars all the time. <laughs> well, you don't um, live to be yeah, that. Nobbies. It was uh, delicious food. And then Jean Comment, obviously, the uh, kilo of chocolate a week. So. You don't live There's to be a hundred or more without perfect genetics to make you. Yeah, that yeah that's true. more credence to the fact that it's all genetics. It is genetics, which means that I'm going to live to be about a hundred because many and toots, many live to be eighty three and toots live to be almost eighty eight. So. There are some pretty good genetics. Your dad lived to be a, lived a long time given his lifestyle. Oh God, yeah, he lived to be uh, what sixty three. I mean, yeah, you, even with great genetics, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Well, it's like um, Ozzy so Osbourne. You can do. Ozzy's going to collapse one of these days after the just sheer amount of drugs he's done. But without the ability to, you know, the fact that his genetics are so good. Most people, after all that he's done, would be dead. Yes. Mm, I think that's probably true. His son has MS. I think that is true. Who has MS? Ozzy Osbourne's son. His Jack? Son? Yep. Wasn't his name Jack? Yep, Jack oh, Osbourne. I, I remember watching MS. that show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the Osbournes? The Osbournes, yeah. Absolutely. Ozzy was so Aussie upset about that show. Acting like a lunatic. Yeah. And that was uh, 15 years ago. Yeah. Why were you upset about that show? Oh, because they were just Sharon horrible. would say F you to her kids, yeah. and they would say it back to her. They were all horrible they people. They were all mean to each other. I they was were very dismayed. But and then Ozzy was like barely could even, he didn't even speak. know what was going on half the time. And we constantly called Tom Ozzy. <laughs> on yes, his 13th birthday, Osborne, let's see, he got drunk on whiskey. By the time he was 14, he was drinking regularly and started smoking weed. Yeah, so that'll uh, that'll get you some MS. Well, MS isn't. This is no, Jack. Jack. Isn't oh. that genetic, though? They don't really know. Yeah, MS is one of those there's... things where it's like, I don't know. Your nerves are just bad. Yeah, but there is, even in cases like that, which there's a lot of things where we don't really know why it happens. Right. There are, uh, there are things you can do to, you know, make it less likely and not... Constantly drinking and smoking is definitely one of them. Works for Good me. Good advice. Yeah. By the way, uh, for everybody. Joe from Louisville said that uh, Keith Richards is immortal uh, because of all the things he's done. That's true. Are you? Oh yeah, me? him too. Wasn't he? He's probably just pickled. Wasn't he on heroin or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. Absolutely. Well, technically, if you don't overdose on heroin, it's not bad for you if you can handle it. Really? It's just most people can't handle it. Heroin. Yep, they think that. Well, the problem with heroin is just that it's addictive. <laughs> so many things. Other than that, though, yeah. everything is good. <laughs> but yeah, basically, you know, if you do it constantly, you're pretty quickly not going to feel anything without upping the dosage, and that's where the problems, you know, wow. get in. And also the fact that you can't stop doing it. So you have to take more and more and more and more as time goes by. Yep. Well, speaking of that, Keith, is a huge problem. Did you see what he said about uh, Mick? That he should get a vasectomy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's 75 well, years old. Yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah. yeah. That's so 
Ugh. What is Mick now? 74, 75? 74. Somewhere in there. Yeah. He's 74. Okay. He's going to be 85 when the kid's 10. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's so... Ugh. It's a shame. Yeah, it really is. But, and the kid will be bigger than him when the kid's like four. <laughs> Honestly, God, Tim Pawlenty told me he stood next to, to uh, Mick Jagger in uh, some temple in India or something. They happened to be there at the same time. Weird. And Pawlenty, who's like, what is he, about 6'1", 6'2", something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's pretty tall. 6'1", 6'2". He said, Tom, it was amazing. Mick Jagger's girlfriend's about a foot and a half taller than he is. He always dated tall women. Well, remember Jerry Hall was really tall. Had really bad breath. I do can't remember, remember that. all of. I mean, he's had so many wives and girlfriends. I can't even. But they. I think most of them were. He tall. has had nine wives. <laughs> nine only, wives. Only nine. Yikes. <laughs> nine wives. How are you getting along with them these days, kid? Most of them were nullified, which you know, GL wonder why. Well, yeah, none of them. Right. La- well, okay, so the, the longest lasting one was nine years. No, no. Uh, Loren Scott lived. Yeah. Uh, well. Lived, yeah, uh, and then she took herself years. out. Did, did she? Yeah, she committed suicide. Yes. It was like two yes, years ago she, she committed did. suicide. Well, how long was he with Bianca? Bianca? Uh, oh, yeah, Bianca. I forgot about her. Seven years. That's it? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't even realize that, was, that. How about Jerry Hall? Jerry Hall, nine years. That one was annulled after nine years. <laughs> Annulled? I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> nine years you get an annulment. Okay, what kind of pope would annul a, n- a marriage to yeah. a rock star? Well, there's that, too. Maybe they, like, never, they, they got married and then they just never uh, lived together or anything. Uh, I, something? I think that maybe it's just she's Catholic or something. She is? Mm-hmm. Well, but maybe. Still, Why else would you annul years? it? No, that's true. Yeah, because in the Catholic faith, an annulment isn't a bad thing right. like a divorce right. is. Right, right, exactly. Because an annulment's basically like, you know... It never happened. Yeah. It's, like it never happened. It's not your fault that it, something went wrong, whereas a divorce is seen as like a uh, a failing of, you know, you could have done something, I guess. I actually met Jerry Hall one time, and as I just said, she had horrible breath. Well, no that wonder happens he to everybody. <laughs> no, no excuse for it. Every once no in a while. No excuse whatsoever. It's like Dan, the whole time I'm pregnant, I'm just, has terrible breath. Dan does? It, it's not Why his, is like that? he has it's nothing that he does. It's like my pregnancy, <laughs> but like if he comes near me after he's eaten certain things, I'm like you need to step 30 feet away from me immediately. <laughs> and it's the whole Probably time I'm pregnant, idea. both times. I'm like, "Sorry, I love you. Get away from me." Probably not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. That's all true. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to hanging out on the dock with family and friends. Let Flow enhance your experience with their rock-solid dock systems. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Flow boat lifts are a breeze to level using a cordless drill with their patented easy level system. Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they've been perfecting Leisure time since 1983. Visit Flow at the Northwest Sports Show at the Minneapolis Convention Center, March 22nd through the 25th. Be sure to ask for the show special, where with a qualified purchase, you'll receive a free three-piece furniture set or free wireless remote. And mention you heard this ad on KQ for an additional $50 off a dock or lift system. To find out more about Flow Systems, visit their website at floeintl.com. Flow Docks and Lifts. 
a better way. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. So you can marry 10 people? Is that why you're waiting on a friend? He's been married nine times. Oh my god! Well, the weird thing is, That's too many two times. of them are listed as marriages. Um, oh, maybe they were like common law ones. But the, but the rest of them were listed as espoused. He espoused them. Which, the hell, isn't that marriage? To me, that says marriage, but uh, they're in like a he different category them. somehow. I espoused them. Maybe it's maybe it like that means it wasn't a. Well, Christian you, ceremony? I think according to the government, if you've lived with somebody for seven years, then you're technically married and you have mm-hmm. to like pay. Um, unless there was like a, he was living with most of them five at a time. That's not what happened. Oh, that's Mick Jagger. Yes. It might have happened. Because yeah, most knows? of these lasted three years at tops. Who does he think he is? Chris Martin and uh, whatever her face is with that stupid BS conscious uncoupling or whatever? Conscious uncoupling! Come on! Gwyneth Paltrow. The conscious uncoupling. What what else did they say? They said some other stupid thing in that statement as well. It was about how they don't hate each other. They try to make the point that they didn't hate one another. There we go. 2014 people.com. They've got the scoop. <laughs> They've got the scoop. Consciously yeah, uncoupling. They have the scoop, <laughs> have the scoop man. Uh, yeah, she's prone to saying weird things. Yeah. I yeah. like her, but she's weird. Oh, God. Isn't she the one, though, that I'm just supposed to, for best health, you shove stuff up your butt or something? <laughs> Uh, Is she a fan of the colonics? Oh yeah, she uh, likes a lot of people do the colonics. A lot of a lot of like colonics. A lot of hippie <laughs> people do colonics. They were big in like the seventies, eighties. Still do them. I think they've been proven to not really do anything at this point, though. Who is it? You were. We were just talking about uh, maybe a month ago that actually had exit tattooed above his anus. What? <laughs> that actually. I must somebody, have blocked that mentally because I have no recollection of. Somebody this. famous had the word exit That's, tattooed uh-huh. above their butt. And had to tell everybody about that. Naturally. No, it came out because I think it, a nurse ratted him out because he was in for an exam, and I think a nurse ratted him out to the press or something. Nice professional medical staff. I'm going to be dealing with a lot of poop the next few days. Poop and pee. Why? Oh, you're training. Body training. Oh, Body yeah. training. Why can't kids, I mean, like, cats and dogs can figure it out. Come on. Not that well, hard. she can figure it out, but, well, you, but you have to potty train a 
dog and a cat. Yeah. Not a cat. Yeah, you, you no, you cats really pretty much figure it out by themselves, which yeah, is kind of strange. It's instinctual for them to bury their stuff. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. 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 That cats. makes it easy. It'd be a nice instinct for babies. Yeah, it really would. <laughs> That's one of those things I don't get is you cannot potty train a monkey. It's impossible. Or an ape. Really? Or a parrot. And you'd think that, you know, they're the most intelligent animal other than humans. So, but they can't figure out that one simple thing. It's very strange. Yeah, they can like do math, but not poop in a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> and people have trained cats to go like to the toilet. I know, like a literal yeah. toilet. Yeah, 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 I know. And yeah, but you can't teach a monkey. I don't know. Or That's a parrot. Very strange. Hopefully, Fawn's smarter yeah, than a monkey, and she can figure it out. So this is just a, it's supposed to be done in three days. You start it and finish it in three days. No, That's quick. I was going to say, oh. that sounds... Wait, didn't you... I did something called... It was did a, did it we was self-domesticate? No, it was a book, and it was called Potty Training in Less Than a Day, and you gave your kids super salty snacks, <laughs> and you stayed home for, for a day, and you did nothing but, you know, like, give them salty snacks, give them lots to drink, so they had to pee a lot, and oh. then you gave them rewards for going in the potty, and it worked. I'm here to tell you. Oh, that's nice. That's very similar to I thought to it was what? like a month long thing it depends no. on the kid well, um well i mean there was like slip-ups from time to time and that's very similar oh, to what we're those. doing yeah that's similar to what we're doing but we there's no reward for getting it like going to the bathroom in the toilet i'm sorry bribery is the only arrow in your quiver because it's what <laughs> well we don't Our use kids. we don't use like anything like what would i bribe her i don't know it's like i'm not gonna Salty give her snacks I'm not going <laughs> to give her jelly beans. But um, tell her I'll never talk to her again she, if she poops her pants. Give her perfect bar. She loves those. She does love perfect bar. Bar. Popcorn. Bar. bar. Popcorn bar. or bubble bar. water. Popcorn. Popco. 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 Bubble. Yeah. Bubble. Bubble. Bubble water. She, yeah. Bubble. She does bar. like. A, she bubble. likes all of those things. Peacock. She loves it. Peacock. See, there you go. Yeah. No, but this. There you go. The book that I'm. Like base the whatever. Why can't I think of the word? Training. I know, but like the specific Oop. type System. of training. That word. Potty. Yeah, the specific <laughs> type of training. The word is potty. That's what I'm looking for. No, <laughs> technique. There we go. That I'm ah. using. It, she's like, you shouldn't have to reward your child for doing something that's basic human behavior. Oh, God. That's hilarious. Yeah. I don't know. I have okay. heard no, I've heard that this book is like the end all be all amazing best thing ever for potty training in the history of the what universe. What is it? Everyone poops? So we'll see. No, that's not a potty training book, but that is about poop. And Fawn would like that cuz she likes to talk about poop. <laughs> it's actually called Oh crap potty training. Oh, that's nice. So that she, works out really really so well. So she's going to be running around tomorrow naked all day. And when she starts going to the bathroom, I have to bring her to the toilet and say, you know, it goes in here. And then once she gets that down, we can put clothes on her. But then we're basically going to be quarantined to the house all weekend, depending on how quickly she gets it. And then you go on like longer and longer outings with them and have them go to the bathroom and public toilets and stuff like that. So they get used to that. So, yeah, that's my life. Now you're talking. So why is it that you and Andy had to be bribed? Because you I guys... just always used bribery because that was what was effective for my children. <laughs> Does this sound familiar, Alex? Ballerinos don't wear diapers. Yep. Yep. That's not bribery. Ah! That's not bribery, though. That's just stating a fact. It is too. No, bribery. I gave you dance lessons. It's st- 
dating up. Because she didn't have neighbors. Well, no, but bribery. She means like <laughs> she means in the book, like don't use bribery and rewards and stuff. Like, oh, if you go pee in the potty, I'll give you three jelly beans, and then when they pee, you get three jelly oh. beans. Like that kind of thing. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Andy but you- wanted a bubble sacks. That was to get rid of my pacifier. Oh, that was the pacifier. That's right. Bubble sax. Bubble sax. I want a golden saxophone, he said. What would it take for you to get rid of your pacifier? A golden saxophone. Like a golden saxophone. Whatever works. Look at all... All the listeners, look at look at what they're learning today on a very valuable show. Look at all that they're learning. There's no question about it. Uh, I want to talk about productive people and busy people because okay. they are different. You oh, know. they're very different. Yeah. Very different people. Eleven differences between busy people and productive people. You want me to do productive people? Say, I'm going to do them one at a time, but do you want me to mention the productive or the busy first? Let's do productive. Okay, we'll do productive first. Productive people have a mission for their lives. Busy people want to look like they have a mission for their lives. That sounds like me. Productive people have few priorities. Busy people have many priorities. Productive people say yes slowly. Busy people say yes quickly. Productive people focus on clarity before action. Busy people focus on action. Productive people close doors. Busy people keep all doors open. Productive people let their results do the talking. Busy people talk about how busy they are. Productive people make time for what is important. Busy people talk about how little time they have. Productive people focus. Busy people multitask. Productive people take their time. Busy people respond quickly to emails. Productive people want others to be effective. Busy people want other people to be busy. And finally, productive people are making those changes. Busy people talk about how they will change. I you agree find all this to be true? Yeah, I agree with most of it. So is that the problem that I, that I have? Because I'm either a productive person or a busy person, and that's why some people annoy me working with them. Most people think that if they're doing something, even if it's not productive, then that's just good enough. That's good. Just they just they come into the office and then they just sit there for eight hours. That means they're working. I mean, it drives me crazy. It, it drives me nuts. That, yes, I'll do that. And then they never do it. Yeah, that's the other thing. So a productive person actually does what they say they're going to do, whereas a busy person doesn't. They just say they're going to do it and then they never do it. Right? Because they're so yes. busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my God. It drives me insane. It just... Yes, I'll get that done, absolutely. Three days later, did you do it? Uh, no, I haven't done that yet. What? I'm too busy. Oh, God. It drives me insane. Could it be that um, busy people also refuse to turn off a light? Possibly. <laughs> Boy, look at Catherine. <laughs> Working the humor angle. Take three people. All are unmarried, 33-year-old women who live in the United States. One makes an annual salary of $40,000, another makes $120,000, and the third makes $200,000. Who do you think is the happiest? This is a real story, by the way. Uh, the middle one? From Quartz Media. So you're saying the one who makes one hundred twenty grand a year is the happiest. Mm-hmm. Does everybody else agree with that? I'll go the no lowest. Prom- You'll go 40000 yeah, Because yeah. it sounds like a trick question. Yeah, it does sound <laughs> like a trick question. I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, according to a recently re- released study, Paywall, 
In the burgeoning field of happiness research, the two higher-earning women are likely to report more satisfaction with their lives than the one who makes $40,000. But perhaps surprisingly, the psychologists who conducted the study find that the one making $200,000 is probably no happier than the one making $120,000. This is because both the $120,000 and the $200,000 women have incomes above $105,000, which, according to their research, is the point at which greater household income in the United States is not associated with greater happiness. The technical term for this cutoff is, is the uh, income satiation point. Satiation. The study is based on a life satisfaction survey conducted on over one million people as part of the Gallup World Poll. Respondents across the world were asked to rate their lives on a scale of zero to ten, where zero is the worst possible life and ten is the best possible life. Okay. What would you give yourselves? And I, everybody needs that. Are you a zero to ten? How would you rate your life, Alex? You go first. Just overall happiness. Yep. Nine point five. Nine point <laughs> five. Okay, Melina. Mm, six point five. Can't go below seven. zero. So you go six point five seven. Yep. Okay, Andy. I don't know. Well, can't you just make <laughs> up a number between zero and ten? Uh. He'll say seven. seven. I knew he was yeah. going to say seven. seven. I knew okay. it. As neutral as possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, five is as neutral as possible. Well, five, five people would question it. Think you're depressed. That's true. <laughs> all right, Catherine. Uh, it depends on the day. If I've gotten sleep, I'm all for ten. <laughs> if I haven't slept in two weeks, who knows? Overall, the question. average it you out. And overall, say, because I've been an insomniac lately, I'll say eight. You're going eight? Yeah. See, I, I would go eight as well. I'm sleeping. I Ugh. would say eight as well. So that's good. The researchers analyze the relationship between the score and household income. They find that in every region of the world, after accounting for a person's age, gender, marital status, people with higher incomes are happier. Really? Gee, that's you hard know, to believe. You know what's interesting about that cutoff at 100 and what was it? 120. 120 is mm-hmm. um, because I can see that because people think that if you make $100,000 that you're rich. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and well, uh, for not. some people, rich basically means you don't have to worry about money. And, and that's what the $100,000 part is. Yeah, it's like yeah, if people but, aren't living paycheck to paycheck, that takes a lot of stress out of your life. If you, yeah, or, exactly. If you know that's you're true, saving but, money. And, but at, uh, at $120,000 a year, if you've got um, you know, a big career, you end up having to work so much harder. Well, that's so. the reason that the $200,000 person isn't happier. It's because right. yeah. really all people want is to not have to worry about money. And once you're at that point, getting more money, all it is is expending effort for something you don't really need. Yeah, and you're also very worried about losing your job because you've probably bought a, you know, a, a yeah, larger house and help. a better car and your payments are higher, God, so you're always could, worried. If I could only lose my job, how great would that be? That's <laughs> interesting because... It, <laughs> I have to deal with radio people again. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, a lot of homeless people rate their lives is very high. Very high, yeah. Tens. Tens across the board. Because they're all on drugs. They're very high. (laughs) (laughs) They love the freedom. They just love the freedom of not having to be responsible for anything. Yeah, I would love to just not have to ever do anything, but that's also... I couldn't live with myself, I don't think. I'd be be so bored, I couldn't stand it. Really boring, yeah. For me, it wouldn't be the boredom. It would just be the knowing that Everyone else is financing my laziness. I couldn't do it. Yeah, there you go. You have to get over that. If I was mentally ill, I could. (laughs) Well, you know, it all works out in the end. 
We will be right back. Got a special guest coming up next, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact. And the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win, and they've got the skilled players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. It is the 45th anniversary, unbelievable. And everybody tells me that if you do line it up with the Wizard of Oz after the third lion's roar with the MGM lion that it does line up with the movie The Wizard of Oz. Dark Side of the Moon does. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my very special guest, John Bowser Bauman. How are you, sir? Dark Side of the Moon, what's that? Was that, <laughs> was that, after, was that after, like, uh, 1963? John, or? Uh, Bowser, do you mind, should I call you John or Bowser? Which one do you want to be called? Either one is fine. But if you call me Bowser, then you get this, you know, so... The, Depends on what you who who you would like to talk <laughs> who to. Who would like who to use. talk to? I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, it, it, it basically uh, what you guys laid the groundwork for. Then later on, Dark Side of the Moon came out. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've heard of it vaguely, and, <laughs> vaguely. and I'm familiar with the moon, and I know it has a dark side. So, Bowser, I got to tell you honestly, I love doo-wop, and I uh, I'm of the age. I, well, I said. Let me put it this way. I was uh, 13. I was 12 when the Beatles broke. Okay. So my older, I have an older brother and two older sisters. So it was basically uh, Elvis Presley when I was a very, very young kid, three or four years old. So from then, for that next 10 years, whatever it was, um, sure. that music, what, what was basically called race music back in the day, um, it, it, it just it fascinated me. I to this day I still love doo-wop. Uh, a reunion of doo-wop legends as they pass the torch to the next generation of singers. You're not going to do that. I yep. hope you're not going to pass the torch. We don't need any torch passing. <laughs> well, it's sort of just an insurance policy, I guess you could look at it. We're still going pretty strong, as you can. If if, if you if you watch this PBS show, you'll see. We got some incredible people still roaming around, and I, I do a lot of live shows, you know, and bring bring a lot of them in. But for instance, uh, my friend Jay Siegel, you know, sang "The Lion Sleeps Tonight." Yep. 
uh, still sings it with that incredible falsetto in its original key of F, no change, hasn't dropped it down. Sounds, if you closed your eyes, you'd think the record was playing. That is so amazing, because I, I swear to God, my voice changed when I was 11, and I, <laughs> uh, there's no way I could hit those notes. There's not a, I got no well, mine shot. too, though. I mean, come on, that's, the, this is a specialized, there's no way anyone can hit those notes, except for maybe Frankie Valli and Luke Christie, but, uh, Jay's just remarkable. I mean, my, when my voice changed, I became the bass singer, and then I started complaining, how am I ever going to be in a in a rock group until we started Sharona, and it became the rock and roll revival, and the stuff stayed around and stayed around. It was such you know, a... it influenced Boys to Men and NSYNC, and oh, the, God, they'll yes. all tell you, you know, doo-wop was the inspiration. There is no question, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's exactly right. All of that music, and NSYNC is a perfect example of that music, that basically NSYNC is doo-wop. I mean, yeah, really. it's modernized doo-wop. That's what it is. Uh, and, and, you know, this was the roots music of everything, as, as you outlined, you know, before the Beatles. And it didn't really end. The era didn't end until the Beatles. You know, the 50s right. musically went on until 1964. Uh, you know, and then we started bringing it back in 1969. There was sort of a five-year gap in there of all kinds of chaotic stuff happening in the 60s in society and in music. But uh, when we started reclaiming it with Sharada in the late, very late 60s, you know, it was, it had only been like five years, but it was as if it was a whole other lifetime. And this music has stayed around ever since then. There was a group in the 70s in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. They were called Teen King and the Princes. Certainly inspired by Shanana, there's no doubt about that. And Teen King might have been a huge fan of yours. Let me put and point that out, Bowser, because he would get. I've heard on... of them, and uh, oh, actually, have? when I joined the group, you know, I wasn't in the group right at the beginning. Right. When I joined the group, the second show that I ever did, the first show that I did was at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. Yes. And the second show that I ever did with Shanana was at the Depot in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. You remember that place? Yeah. Well, it's now First Avenue. Uh, yeah, it was a great big, huge club. Yep, and uh, that was the second show that I ever did. And then we played. Then we played in the summer of 1970. We played the Minnesota State Fair for like four or five days. Um, you know, which I will always remember. That was like the first extended gig that I was involved in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just always think fondly of the area. It's great people, and they love their music, and it's just a, a great. Great music town, you know, music city. Now, Bowser, you do know the depot where you, you first, your second gig, you played with Shanana. That became First Avenue, which is the club that's featured in Prince's movie Purple Rain. That's the same club. Right, it's the same building. Same mm -hmm. building, yep. Right, it's the same building. Exactly. Really, yep. really wonderful building. Absolutely wonderful building. I actually have a personal story about that, and if we have enough time at the end, I'll tell you what happened to me. At, uh, it was called... Uh, the depot at the time because it was a depot and then it, and then it became uh right got it it changed its name a couple of times now it's first avenue but um teen king and the princes these guys wanted to be shot and, and they were really good by the way but i do remember that they would come out and kind of try to do what you did this guy they'd walk out and team prince would look down in the audience and see some guy standing there it might have been a little hefty and he'd go oh, look at this the 1972 winner of the human bowling ball look-alike contest. <laughs> He'd start ripping the audience. Oh, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> I 
But see, the thing is, nobody could open their mouth as wide as me, and nobody had no. more non-existent biceps than I did. <laughs> so, you know, my look at the greaser of the 50s through the eyes of the early 70s was, in that sense, unique. God, it was so much fun, and, and the whole deal. The t- now, you hosted a, a TV game show, correct? Yes, I've had a checkered career. I hosted more than more than one. But I mean, the, my first TV game show was actually called the Pop and Rocker Game, a game in concert, which was a go. very odd um, combination melange of a game show and a rock concert. And then after that, you're probably thinking of the match game Hollywood Squares Hour. Yeah, I think that's exactly what was, I'm thinking of. Yeah, it was that wonderful. went on for a year. I hosted the Hollywood Squares part, and Gene Rayburn hosted the uh, match game part. Yeah, absolutely wonderful show. You did a great job on there because you well, you kind of basically referred to people in the human bowling ball lookalike contest kind of tone of voice. Yes, I did the best I could. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I'm... I'm hosting this show, Do Up Generations, also as myself. You know, Bowser doesn't really appear. Oh, okay. Do Up okay. Generations, other than to push my friend and and colleague Johnny Contardo onto the stage to sing those magic changes with a with a like a twenty year old kid. That's the whole idea of this show, which I'm sure you are aware is. You know, we're bringing we have people singing with young people, the original people singing with, with younger people to make sure this music stays alive in subsequent generations. It is wonderful music. Now, that is this this uh, Saturday night on, on PBS stations, correct? It's on uh, Saturday night. I, they have not given me an, an exact time on it, so if you happen to know uh, Eastern Time, when that when the show, I can look I it think up. it's station by station how it runs, okay, so you really okay. sort of got to check local listings. And yes, it starts in most places this Saturday night and will run for 500 years subsequently. 500 years be uh, good. Ten times a night. Because that, that's the great thing about when we say we're passing the torch on to younger generations, even though we're all still going, um, you know, we're passing the torch for like the next hundred years, literally, because right. PBS will still be running this show, which is awesome. And from what I understand, R&B legend Little Anthony from Little Anthony Imperial is going to be with you? Yeah, he does He does kind of a cameo in this show where he, uh, there's, there's a kid named Kid Kyle who uh, first started doing my live shows when he was 12, and he's now 22, um, and he just really, he can really sing, and he loves this style of music, so... Uh, Anthony has a story about the song The Diary, which was a Neil Sedaka song, and he introduces mm-hmm. Kyle and tells and tells this story. So, uh, you know, it's kind of the hosts are me, Anthony, and T.J. Lubinsky, who's the producer of the show and has produced all of these mm-hmm. My Music doo-wop specials that have been on PBS and are really beloved. Now, you shot it in Asbury Park as well, Asbury Park, New Jersey. That's wonderful. We did shoot it in Asbury Park, New Jersey, um, which a place that I always think of fondly, you know, because as we've discussed in my long and checkered career, so in the <laughs> mid-70s, I think around 74 or 5, it probably was early 5, um, Sean and I was, had, we had sold out the Asbury Park Civic Center, as we did most years, and I remember, you know, stagehand kind of said, hey, you guys ought to check out your opening act tonight, he's this local guy, he's really good. And, you know, just a few people kind of said that, so I poked my head out before our show. And there was some guy with a band, you know, with an African-American saxophone player, you know, some (laughs) local guy who people said was pretty good. And you listen to the first song, and you go like, oh, that's pretty good. 
And the second song, you go like, oh, that's really good. And by the fifth song, you're going like, I hope we can follow this guy because this guy's blowing this place apart. And it basically was, you know, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band playing mm -hmm. the Born to Run album. That's what it was. God, it was wonderful. a few months before the album came out, whatever year that was. And, uh, you know, they were our opening act at Asbury Park. That was good a place for him. Yeah, it was a good, yeah, Asbury Park really worked out for him. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're, yeah, they were pretty good. They were really quite good, I have to say. I mean, I, I remember saying to, uh, I think it was Screaming Scott, the piano player, or whoever I was standing with, <laughs> I remember saying, this is, this is really prescient of me, right? This is a brilliant, uh, br brilliant perception. <laughs> I remember saying, uh, boy, I think this guy's going to go someplace. It's, it's really good. Well, they, I, I did actually, John. I interviewed uh, Clarence Clemens one time several years ago. And uh, basically the entire interview, I asked him questions. He went, that's exactly right, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, just kept... he was pretty good, too, by the way. Oh, he, yeah. As were all the players and the songs were just out of this world, you know. Now, for, for our it young... Was just an, it was an amazing thing to have as your opening act. Oh, God, and, yes. We had a few of those, you know, like Billy Joel opened to us at Queens College. I'll never forget in about like 71 or two. God, Just him and a piano, no band. Amazing. Well, he Jimmy, was pretty good. Jimi Hendrix once opened for the Monkees. So think about that. There, there's two You're audiences. True enough, too. <laughs> Trying to not open for him at, at Woodstock. But that wasn't really like being an opening. Oh, that, that, was, that was fantastic, <laughs> too, by the way. Doo-wop started, did it really start as street corner music? Is that how doo-wop really did start? Yeah, it really did start. You know, it's the beauty, the beauty of this stuff is that all it takes is like, you know, four people to be a group. You can sing a cappella, you don't need a band. No, uh, that's exactly. You know, right. and often we did. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's that wonderful thing where, you know, Jay Siegel, my friend who I was talking about, who, you know, sang The Lion Sleeps Tonight, tells mm -hmm. the story of how they used to... Um, they used to sing the Miriam Makeba, remember her? Sure, absolutely. Uh, had done, you know, like Lion Sleeps Tonight was an, an African folk melody. And somebody had put words to it. And they used to sing it on the beach to get girls, is the story that he tells in like Brighton <laughs> Beach, you know, in Brooklyn. Right. And that's what you can do with this with this style of music is just, you know, get a bunch of people together. It's, it's basically vocal. You can do it a cappella. And, uh, you know, there's sort of no must, no fuss about it. And in that way, it's this wonderful, breathtaking style of music. And that's why, you know, Boys to Men and NSYNC, it's all the successors of it. And now all these... Wait till you see this show. I mean, it's really mm -hmm. remarkable. There are people coming from South Africa, you know, who know all these songs. And, you know, these two, these two kids from California, California who play, um, you know, they have like acoustic guitars and they sing just really really well and they do this magic moment and then in the middle of it charlie thomas's drifters join in you know who did the original record and it's just magic yeah, i gotta tell you they, 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 you were talking about all these different acts i will tell you this in 1976 when i went to see the movie rocky and sylvester's younger brother frank stallone they sang doo-wop in that movie i think for me that was as huge a part of that movie as the boxing was because it gave you the real feeling of what it was to be on the, what it was like to be on the street corners of Philadelphia 
Uh, I, I just loved it. I absolutely loved the fact that they... I hear you. And, you know, yep. he was... Frank Stallone was actually a guest on the Shana television show, mm-hmm. which we did not long thereafter. You know, our, our show went, was uh, first run from 77 to 82. And we had him on there, and he could sing. It was good. Oh, yeah. we, we had everybody's brother, by the way. We had Joey <laughs> Travolta. We had Frank Stallone. <laughs> I love Frank. Frank's actually, we have Frank on at least a couple times a year because he just tells it like it is. I'll tell you that. If you don't want to hear it, tough hop. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. Frank is uh, He was great good. Guy. I yeah, mean, he, the, was. he was good he was. on our show. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, John Bowser Bauman, doo-wop generations on PBS. It is this Saturday. What a great honor to talk to you, sir. I had a ball talking to you. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure, and I got one more thing to say to you, and it goes like this. Good night, and grease for peace. Good night, sweetheart. Tom Bernard Show.